Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingston. going to answer some questions that you, the audience, have asked me. One of the first things I want to talk about, though, is something pertaining to the COVID crisis and the lockdowns and the concerns with the number rises and new outbreaks. And I just want to point out something that I just can't wrap my head around. And I'm wondering if you see it, too. I watched this video on Twitter. It's been trending. It's this woman in California who, after one of the first COVID quarantine and closed downs, she decided that she was going to invest a lot of money to make sure that she could host outdoor seating. So that way she could still run her business and she wouldn't lose everything she's invested into her business could still serve people because people still want to eat during COVID. We're not all at home like, I'm just going to make mac and cheese and ramen and I'll be fine. And so she invested all of this money so that she could host outdoor seating. But then Governor Newsom shut the whole freaking state down, except for the celebrities, except for himself. So Governor Newsom, what was it, report said he flew to Hawaii to attend a birthday party right before Thanksgiving after having just told all of California not to go anywhere and not to see anybody and not to do anything. And then this woman who had to shut her restaurant down, shows up one day and sees that right next to her in a parking lot, there is a venue being set up for outside entertaining for none other than a movie production company. She is just a simple small business owner in California who invested thousands of dollars to be able to seat people outside to stay in ordinance with all of the requirements of the COVID conditions only to then be told too fucking bad stay closed and see that movie production companies you know all your little idols all your little celebrities all your little famous people they they're allowed to gather with as many people as they want in outdoor seating but she's not allowed to offer the same and it was set up literally right across a parking lot from her restaurant 
I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Rowe. He used to be the host of Dirty Jobs. He's a he's a human do-gooder to describe Mike Rowe. So he gets wind of this and he even admits, yeah, I know. I, I've been told that I don't we don't have to close down, that we can still gather, that we can still do this, that we're essential workers. Actors are essential workers, but business owners are not essential workers. People who depend on the the potentiality of allowing people to come in and dine at their establishment so they can still make their rent and pay their utilities and pay their employees, they are not essential. So food is not essential. So serving people food is not essential. Making sure that hungry people eat, not essential. Unless what you're a part of the Screen Actors Guild what unless you've done a Transformers movie or a Marvel movie? I wonder, people who see this going on, who see all of these these tyrants stand in front of a microphone and sit and operate on the fear frequency and tell you all to stay at home, stay masked, don't go anywhere, cancel Thanksgiving, cancel Christmas, cancel family, cancel fun, cancel entertainment, cancel pleasure, cancel socialization, cancel connection, definitely cancel physical contact. Like you should even wear a mask while you're fucking your husband at home. These people can demand that these rules be followed and they don't have to follow them. They don't have to follow them. Is anybody else seeing this take place and asking themselves, well, if they're allowed to do it, why am I not allowed to do it? Because you let them convince you that they have a justifiable reason to do it and you don't. Because they've shown you that they understand their elitist hierarchy and you're over here like, yep, they're right. I'm lowest on the totem pole. I have no rights. I'm not essential. My daughter, she works at a gas station. She was deemed essential. She was deemed essential, but someone who owns a restaurant right down the street from where my daughter works, not essential and has to close their business or operate with takeout only. No dining in, no outside dining. And I mean, it's December Nobody really wants to dine outside in Minnesota anyway, but the problem here is that celebrities can all gather. They can do award shows. They can get together to record music videos and and songs. They can do podcasts together. Um, But we simple folk, no, 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 we can't do anything. Everything is canceled for us. And if if you lose your house and your, your car is repoed and you can't afford to eat, that is not their problem. That is your problem. That is what I see taking place right now. And I see everybody going, you know what? They're right. We should just stay home. And I see their peons are pumping out their propaganda for them. I see people that I used to work with, people that I used to collaborate with, who are now becoming the echo chambers for these idols and these celebrities and these elitist assholes. And they're doing their bidding for them. And I can't help but think, how is this not a contradiction to all of your religious deconstruction, rejection of duality, realizing that we're all one, but then you're like, bow down, bitches, bow down. Listen to what these motherfuckers are telling. Listen to what John Legend is telling you, even though John Legend is running around doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. People, listen to what Alyssa Milano is telling you to do because she knows what she's talking about despite the fact that she's wearing a knitted mask and is clearly not taking this seriously at all. Do you see the obvious hypocrisy and and then just decide, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't hurt my feelings. 
I, I don't have anything important to do anyway. Are you kidding me? Do you know how important connection and, and touch is right now? And they're telling everyone to stay locked up in their houses. You have Biden sitting up there telling you that he's going to make sure that you wear a mask for anywhere between 100 and 400 days, no matter what you do. Why do we all need to operate on the fear frequency? Why are they not telling us the real information that we need to collectively heal from everything that's going on? Why are they not telling us that a powerful mentality, that positive mental messaging, that exercise, that sunshine, that garlic, vitamin C, that a little bit of extra B12, why are they not telling us these things will help protect us? They don't want us to be protected. They want us scared and sick. Why do they want us scared and sick? Well, I don't have the answers to it, but I can't stand looking out there and seeing all of this glamorized bullshit come across my stream waves and sit here and think, you know, you know what? They're right. I'm just going to stay home. I'm just going to stay home and wear a mask every time I take a shit in my own house because they told me to. I mean, you just always do what you're told. Maybe that's the difference between me and some of these people. And, you know, I've never done what I've been told. I'm just not good at it, you know? There's just this conviction inside of me that when someone is telling me to do something that I know is not beneficial to me, I can't do it. I'm not going to just listen to you just because you said so. I want to know why. Maybe that's a child heart that I have. But I'm curious. And when somebody tells me to do something, I want to know why you don't have to do the same fucking thing you're asking me to do. I want to know if you actually want people to follow your instruction. Don't you know that you need to be this, like, mimetic model for me? So that I can see what staying safe looks like. But instead, you're out jetting across the countries. You're sitting here pointing your fingers at us, the little peons, the ones that give you your paycheck. And you're doing whatever the fuck you want and laughing at us about it. And so, yeah, I'm going to ask why. I have a lot of questions. And this is just one that I just, I can't wrap my head around people. Why, why is it okay that the cast of Friends is allowed to go dine outside at some fancy restaurant, but... A small business owner who's set up for out, outdoor dining is not allowed to host customers. Like, it's not making sense to me. But, you know, when we were talking about climate change and Leonardo DiCaprio and everybody else was trying to get up in our face and tell us what horrible people we are because we don't care about the climate, we don't care about our planet, they were jetting around in their private jets, throwing down so many carbon emissions into the atmosphere, a person couldn't even gauge or clock it. And meanwhile, we were all like, you know what, I, I'm going to get a bike. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to ride a bike 15 miles to work every day because Leonardo DiCaprio told me I should care about my planet. And it's like, whatever they say, they can get the people to act like robots and do whatever they want. And they don't have to be the positive model that shows us that they're actually walking in what they're talking about. They just want you to do it so they don't have to do it. We have to save the planet for them, y'all. It's our job to save the planet for them because they want the planet nice. That means we have to do the work. They don't have to make any changes. And we can just keep moving forward, right? They can keep flying around in their fancy private jets. And they can order their $500 an ounce caviar that comes from an endangered whale. But don't, don't use plastic straws because you must hate tortoises, you know? Sometimes I just, I hope that I'm not the only one seeing this incredulous bullshit play out and going, what the fuck do they actually think I believe them? I hope I'm not the only one. We don't have to be afraid of one another or afraid of a virus. 
because when we sit on that fear frequency, it's going to root into everything. It's going to it's going to jostle our immune systems. It's going to fuck with our mentality. And we are going to become more susceptible to getting sick. That's why us mothers, especially, we're like fucking goddamn superheroes, okay? We can go, all the kids are sick. They've even puked on me. I think I even got puke in my mouth. Oh my God, I am not fucking getting sick. And you know what happens? I don't get sick. It's incredible what your mind has the power to do for your entire body. Your mind can like generate an entire program that just streams through every cell in your body. And it adds an additional layer of protection and goes, you know what, bitches, we ain't getting sick. We're the mom. We have to stand up. We have to take care of all these people, right? And I don't get sick. And I eat healthy. And when I feel like I could have been exposed to something, I think about it. And then I am dosing on garlic. I am dosing on olives. I am eating jalapenos. I am eating habaneros. I am eating pickled peppers of every variety. I am eating my bell peppers, vitamin C, vitamin C, vitamin C. And you're going to find your highest doses in your bell peppers and your spicy peppers. Don't know if you knew that. And I am, I got my ginger and I got my carrots. And if you're eating carrots every day and you're putting honey in your body every day and you're making sure that maybe you're like me, you don't always eat the healthiest food. So you got all your vitamins on hand. You got your immunity support, you got your probiotics, whatever you need to do. But oftentimes just that very action of having a healthy routine of operating off of a frequency of love and of an inner knowing that I have a power that could keep you from getting sick. Now, I must give the disclaimer the CDC does not confirm any of the information that I am sharing with you, but I'm telling you anecdotally that from my experience, I know that if there's an illness floating around and I really get intentional about it and I really start talking to my immune system, I don't get sick. And I definitely am less inclined to feel any kind of negative crap if I don't give in to the fear tactics, if I don't get into the fear sequence, if I don't play the fear game. And they want us to play the fear game because they want us divided. Because if we're divided, we're disconnected. Because when we're connected, we realize that we have this conscious responsibility to care for other people, to be compassionate and understanding to other people, to extend grace and forgiveness and mercy to other people. But if we go doing that, we're going we're gonna to create all these little models that are counterintuitive to the game that's being played out in front of us. So I know that was a little trippy. I know that was a little unexpected, but I just, I've been having these feelings and I haven't known how to talk about it because as soon as you start talking about things like this, suddenly you're labeled as a conspiracy theorist. And I think that's just one of the most ridiculous and reductionist ways to come at any kind of discussion that you're uncomfortable with. Like when you call me a conspiracy theorist, you show your weakness and fear to me almost immediately when that's your go-to phrase, when that's your go-to reaction to me. I think, oh, okay, I see. You got some fears, right? You got some anxieties under here. So 
that's where you're coming to me from. And you know what? I'm just not going to engage you. If you want to if you want to reduce me that quickly, if you want to reduce anybody that quickly by just telling them to stop fucking around with the conspiracy theories and act like a normal fucking person and to stop being paranoid, what are you doing by pimping out the propaganda of these little fucktards that don't have to follow suit with the regulations that they are endowing to their citizens? California have locked up their whole damn state and their governor doesn't have to follow the program that he demands all of his citizens follow. And you people are out there just perpetuating his program and not realizing that he has created a division between them and y'all. And don't you speak out against that? So if I'm a person that has decided that I want to look at life from the gray and I don't want to use the black and white lens anymore, I'm looking through the gray lens and I'm, I'm operating on the love frequency and my lens is of love, right? And so I'm looking out and I'm trying to see the love. If that's my program, if that's my habit, if that's how I am coming at the world in a compassionate manner, then it doesn't make sense to me that then I would echo the these narratives and this propaganda and this rhetoric that's coming from the fear frequency. Like I can't I can't be a proponent of fear if I'm a proponent of love. I can't say that I'm operating from a frequency of love if I am then shoving the fear frequency propaganda and themes and narratives and suggestions in other people's faces as some sort of societal contribution of humanity and I'm doing my part and I'm being on the right side of history because that's contradictory to love, okay? If we say we are of love We cannot be of fear. If I say I am love, then I cannot go and turn around and say, I am not love, I am fear. I know this doesn't make sense, but when I see different messaging, I can look at it and go, this is fear, this is love. This is fear, this is love. I know fear. I operate out of fear sometimes. Fear just comes up and sits in my fucking face and is like, I'm not moving, I'm not moving, I'm not moving. And I have to remind myself. Fear wants my attention. I can give attention to the fear. I can say, hello, fear. I see you and I love you. And you deserve to be in this moment right now because something isn't feeling right. Because something is shaking at my core. Because something is pulling down the layers and it's making me feel exposed. Because it's new. Because it's unknown. And so how do we combat that fear? With love. We don't set love aside and just dole out the fear, we take the fear in and we hold it and love transforms fear into love. Love begets love and fear begets fear. And so the two can't operate on the same frequency without creating this pitchy ass bullshit of disharmony and discord. And so that's just that's just my way of encouraging people that are walking on a path of consciousness to remember that sometimes we are pulled down under by these subconscious fears. We are pulled down under by these subconscious narratives that are still being circulated in our culture and society that still have significant influence over us because they're so sneaky, right? They're so sneaky. They're so sneaky that those of us who are like, I'm all about love, I'm all about light, I'm all about being open-minded, are still turning around and echoing the negative, narrow-minded, 
fear narratives. And we just need to catch ourselves. We just need to go, oh, I did do that. Oh, I did do that. And correct. And, and repent, right? And, and, and if you're a public voice, acknowledge that you're changing your mind. Acknowledge that you were like, oh, shit, fear got me again. It got me again. It pulled me under. And you know what? I noticed it. And I'm like, hello, fear. I'm not fucking with you today. Okay? So that's that. Now, let's move on to some of the questions. And some of the questions, uh, look, there are no bad questions, okay? I, I, I think asking any question is perfectly beautiful. And I am not one of those people that will say that is the wrong question to ask or how dare you ask that question because I don't ever want to just see a phrase or a statement or a question and immediately make a judgment about the person that asked it and immediately like read in and presuppose some negative attention or bias, right? I just want to look at these questions with compassion, with consideration. With that being said, the first question is, have you had a threesome yet? Have you experienced any kind of polyamorous union? No, I have not engaged in a threesome. It's not as easy to be easy as it once was. So that's that. I'm still open-minded. I still want to explore all of the possible junctions on my path to an erotic evolution, but I still have fears. I still have anxieties. I still have worry. And so I still just want to work through all of that and see what is revealed to me and see what these fears are, are blocking from my path. And then if I'm being honest, um, love in the time of COVID is just impossible. It's, it's absolutely impossible because, you know, and this is, this is a silly part of the dynamic of, you know, joining into relationship with another person is you have to be considerate of their views and their fears. And love in the time of COVID, meeting up with someone that you don't know, sharing proximity with someone when there are so many fears present to illness and what could happen if, that right now I think love is just seen as a risk. And I think that's interesting. And I think we should be mindful of that and aware of why a narrative like that could benefit other people. I mean, if we're convincing people that love is too great of a risk, how long does that idea kind of sit in limbo? And how long is it accepted and embraced? Love is too much of a risk. I mean, we already we already hear lyrics to me in music saying that, right? And we, and we see these ideas present in, in movies that we watch and shows that we watch that love is this great risk. Love hurts. Love causes pain. You know, love makes us make sacrifices, da-da-da-da-da. And so what do we get to the point where we're like, what's the point of love? And so maybe a lot of people are feeling like that right now. What's the point of love? But I implore people, despite the time of, of COVID, love is more important than ever. And we do need to be trying to connect with people. And we do need to be trying to interact with people. And we need to be physically fucking touching people. Because touch is so damn important. Touch literally saves our lives and we are becoming an untouched society. So I could go on and on, but I'm going to just leave it at that and I'm going to say thank you for the question. I hope I've answered it to your liking. So I've had a lot of questions and comments and concerns and downright judgments and condemnations about my OnlyFans page. 
OnlyFans is an uncensored Facebook in that I can post the photos that I want. And, you know, I've talked about this before. On my path of consciousness, I have come to reconnect with my body, a body that I had resented, a body that I had judged too harshly, a body that I was revolted by, a body that I rejected, a body that I kept separate from my spirit, thinking it was some form of burden and punishment because of the way that my body transformed after I had children. And so I've come to really like my body, okay? That's what I'm saying. I love the holy vessel that I am. And I like to encourage other people to be confident in their body image. What that means is, yeah, you're going to get some titty pics over on OnlyFans. I have nice nipples, okay? But it's not about that. I'm not trying to elicit sexual arousal. I'm not trying to provoke, you know, husbands into masturbating over my pictures at night. What I'm trying to do is desensitize the sexual image. And I think the way that we do that is by seeing it more. I'm not trying to have it be an objective image in that I want you to rate it or judge it or condemn it or compare it or contrast it because that's not important. I want you to see the body. And at first, yeah, you're going to be like, damn, you know, and I am still that way when I see a beautiful figure, male or female, okay, it doesn't matter. I acknowledge beauty when I see it. I'm not offended by it. I'm not insulted by it. I don't feel attacked or assaulted by it. On Facebook, I can't be posting those pictures. On Instagram, I get I get more attention than I want. On OnlyFans, I can artistically express my form. I can work on desexualizing the physical form because the thing is is my body is beautiful. Your body is beautiful. But unless we apply a context to what we're looking at it in that image, that image can say a thousand things. When I'm looking at images, again, lens of love. I'm not looking at depravity. I'm not looking at distortion. I'm not seeing anything destructive. I'm not seeing anything problematic. I'm not concerned about how it could be perverted or manipulated or exploited. I'm looking at it from a lens of love. I'm looking at it like, look at this beautiful light. Look at this beautiful form that God created. That is how we are to look at each other. We're not supposed to look at each other, either clothed or unclothed, and decide that that image is is open for us to judge, that that image is open for us to rank, that that image is open for us to say anything negative about. Because that goes back into how are we wired. We are wired for love. Sometimes we forget that we are wired for love. And so there are all these other programs out there that are alluring to us that make us believe that it's okay to judge and that it's okay to say that the naked body is this. When a baby is born, it is naked. It is not sexual. When a young child is running around naked, free, it is not sexual. It is natural. When a man takes his shirt off because he is hot and it's sunny outside, that is not sexual. Why is it when a woman takes her shirt off because she's sweaty and hot, it suddenly becomes sexual? It is because society has placed lenses over the female form especially, over the penis especially, over the vulva especially, and over the act of sex itself especially as something sinful, as something fallen, as something broken, as something offensive. And I want to bring back a different view of the body. And so... It was a long way to explain, but ultimately, my body 
is another artistic expression and reflection of God, I'm not going to hide it. So that is your first warning, your caution before you enter my OnlyFans site. That will be available. Now, it's not all titty pics, okay? Um, I show my lingerie too, but here's the thing about lingerie. And I'm going to go back to context. And I'm also going to go back to desexualizing. We don't have to look at a woman in a piece of lingerie. I'm going to take Rihanna's Fenty uh, fashion show, for example. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. I love Rihanna. I love everything that she does. I like watching her empire grow. I like that she is coming from a lens of love and her fabric design for her lingerie to help empower women and make them feel sexy at any size and in any fabric. And that to me is love, okay? This is another helpful tool for women to take fashion and to imprint some kind of symbolism of empowerment and compassion and love for the self. Like, that's how we can use clothing. We can look at clothing not as something that represents our status, but something that represents the way we feel about ourselves. Okay, so I can watch this lingerie fashion show with my husband and not be sexually aroused by it. I can also be sexually aroused by it if I want to. The thing is, is we take those images and we apply a context to it through our minds. And I would want to question people or I would want to push against people who are concerned with this idea that if I see someone in lingerie, that means it's sexy. Who told you it was sexy? Why is it sexy? Why are you putting that context of it? Maybe it's just an advertisement. Maybe it's just that you have enough lenses of, of influence in your life that might have confused the meaning of what you're seeing. And so you've decided to apply that sexual lens. And that's what I mean. We have to stop thinking that we automatically associate boobs with sex because boobs I would associate with food, okay? Because breasts, first and foremost, are for babies, are for nourishment, are for milk, are for food. Boobs are food, and so food is sexy, and so we're aroused by food. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the line I draw with it. So I would just implore you to think about whether or not you need to apply the lens of, of sex, of, of dirty sex, of raunchy. And instead, can you go female form, fashion, lovely, empowerment. She loves herself. And if she can love herself, she can love her neighbor. Okay? And so that is, that is the lesson that I have learned for myself. Okay? And I have learned that by starting at my naked self. Can I love the naked me? Can I love the naked Danielle? And for a long time, I couldn't. But now that I can love the naked Danielle, I can love all of naked humanity. And so ultimately, removing the sexual lens and just looking at everything we look at with a lens of love, that includes looking at evil things with a lens of love, with a lens of compassion, with a lens of, I want to understand this, with a lens of, I want to know how I cannot perpetuate this. When we look at things with a lens of love, we can take the image that we see and transform it before our eyes 
which is what I do with my nudie pics, okay? But secondly, I want to put this in a different perspective. Say I was a yoga instructor. And the reason I use a yoga instructor as an example is because I know yoga instructors use OnlyFans. I'm a yoga instructor. I want to invite as many people to come and do yoga. I am going to be their teacher. But, you know, not everybody can do it when I'm doing it. So I want to be able to house all of the videos for the yoga that I do to show other people. And I want to charge them a monthly subscription so that they can come in at any time when they want and they can do the yoga practices that I have recorded for them. That maybe I streamed live for the participants that wanted to do it when I wanted to do it. But then that video was later recorded, was saved for you to go and access for whatever you pay a month and you get all your yoga lessons from me. And in the time of COVID, that's a good idea for a yoga instructor. Say you're, you're an art instructor. Say you are one of those people that hosts one of those paint and drink parties. Well, now I, I can't do that because especially if I live in California, I can't go to my local winery and do painting and wine because I can't go anywhere. So I'm going to set up an OnlyFans page and I'm going to invite people to engage with me. And we're going to do this thing and we're going to drink together, similar to Zoom. But now you're charging people for this ambiance and this entertainment and this technique and the teaching and the instruction. Say you're a progressive, deconstructed Christian and you like to do speaking events, but you can't go to churches now because they're closed because of COVID. So you set up an OnlyFans page and you live stream every day instead of using Patreon. You go to OnlyFans and you want to share your messages with people. You want to do your your little your little classes and your courses. You can do it on OnlyFans right there. Anybody can come in. They can pay a monthly fee and they can have access to who you are, what you do, what you teach, and what you're trying to help other people learn. OnlyFans is like a Patreon. Only you're free to be as as naked as you want to be. But I, I want to remind the folks out there who have these negative impressions of, oh, it's just porn and, oh, sex trafficked victims are there. OnlyFans has very stringent rules. They are so stringent that there are certain words you are not allowed to use in your post. I'm a mom, okay? I can't talk about my children unless I use a different term for children. And it can't be some kind of subliminal um, hidden meaning term either because if you're using the word child, they flag you, they go, we're not posting this until you take that word out. If you want to use the word choking, one time I was writing about Cardi B, I was talking about the lyrics in the song. One of the lyrics was choking. I couldn't post about it on OnlyFans because that was a prohibited word. There are prohibited words. In order to even get access to an OnlyFans page, you have to go through this whole identity process, proving who you are and, and waiting for them to go and do a background check and make sure you are who you are, that you're legally consenting adult, that you're not doing anything against the will of anybody else, that you're not doing any harm to anyone, and that you're not inciting anything violent or harmful or dangerous. So OnlyFans has very strict rules. 
But you have a freedom there and you have a freedom to offer whatever kind of creative content you want. You can charge whatever rate you want and you can invite whatever kind of audience in that you want. Everybody is consenting to choice here. Everybody is saying, I agree to what I'm seeing. And people can say, if I don't like what I'm seeing, I will simply unsubscribe and I will no longer use your content as an influence in my life and my experience. It's really that simple. So I can advise clients over there. I can take private questions and direct messages, and I can answer the questions either by video, by audio, or by post. And I don't have to answer directly to that person because they're seeking anonymity. I talk to pastors. I advise people who are in circles of influence and connectivity that if anyone even knew that they were seeking my advice would make them feel like they would suffer so many consequences. So OnlyFans, additional anonymity. I want people to feel safe. I want people to know that there is another layer of security where you can come over because sexuality and sex and challenges and difficulties in sexual relationships are not things we want to post about on Facebook. I realize that. I know not everybody's like me. Not everybody wants to talk about their orgasm or oral sex or enemas or bisexual fantasies, okay? And so OnlyFans, again, gives you another area where Nobody's judging anybody else for asking those questions or engaging in those discussions because we're all kind of in that particular atmosphere of wanting to understand with an open mind. And so OnlyFans is for people with open minds, only open minds for OnlyFans. And you can pay a small price of $12 a month for Naked Tree Advisor. And again, erotic embodiment advice, titty pics but answering questions and having a genuine group of people that you can interact with that won't judge you, that are going to be open to the things that you're engaging, that are going to be open to trying to understand a different viewpoint, and that are going to be appreciative of the information they're receiving. And again, with the choice to decide I no longer want to pay for the advice I'm receiving. I no longer want to pay for the engagement that I'm interacting with. We are in a changing environment, and many of us believe that the access that we have right now in social media should remain the way that it is. But we also see that there are a lot of problems entangled in free social media, in free forms of expression in this regard. And so why a lot of creative content providers want to move over to to patron pages such as Patreon, others are going over to OnlyFans because honestly, isn't it just more fun to go over to a taboo website? Whatever the reason may be, things are changing and so we are finding new ways to cater to a smaller audience who wants to hear what we're saying. That's ultimately what it's about. And when I want to hear something, I am willing to pay for it. If I am seeking advice, if I am seeking information, if I am seeking additional tools and resources that will help me along my path, I am willing to pay for it in a lot of regards. I don't expect everything to be free. And I know that might seem contrary to some people. I know I myself have pushed back against this idea. I've wrestled with the idea of charging people for information, charging people for attention, because ultimately, doesn't Jesus teach us that we should be giving that freely? Yeah, we should. 
And a lot of times I do that. I've advised a lot of people for free. This is a tough time right now. And while my rates are already low, I'm always willing to work with people. And I'm not all about the end game of the cha-ching. I'm about the end game of the erotic evolution, of the full embodiment of the erotic self. I am allowed to do that at OnlyFans. And I didn't answer as many questions as I wanted to, but I'm noticing that I'm wrapped I'm coming up on the 40-minute mark, and you've probably heard my voice for long enough today. I want to just continue to extend my appreciation to you, my lovely listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Recorded Conversations. If you're interested in connecting with me, I'm on Facebook at Danielle Kingstrom, Twitter and Instagram at D Kingstrom. I am on Parlor at Danielle Kingstrom, and you can find me at OnlyFans.com/slash Naked Tree Advisor. Thanks for listening.